Thank you, Kenneth. All right, we're now going to uh, hear announcements. I do plan on having a prayer meeting at 6.30 and at 7 o'clock a Bible study. So feel free to come if you so choose. We do have to my left a prayer list, so feel free to 
get you a copy and use it as you see fit. So Wednesday, 6.30 a prayer meeting and 7 o'clock we'll have our Bible study. Alright, with that said now, let's uh, go to another song if you will, Kenneth, please. Hymn number 137, let's stand and sing all three verses. Before we begin our lesson, I do want to cover one other aspect of worship, which is giving. And I have put the chart back on the board after having not had it there for several weeks. But it gives us two verses that summarize giving in terms of New Testament giving. And in 2 Corinthians eight twelve, it says, For if... There be first a willing mind, 
it is accepted according to what a man hath and not according to what he doesn't have. And then uh, we have in Second Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, because God loves a cheerful giver. So uh, those summarize New Testament giving. So we have a plate up here, and we have two plates up here, and one in the back. At the end of the service, feel free to seek out the plate, and if you have something to give, find, put it in there. But only if you can do it cheerfully. Uh, as the scripture indicates. Uh, and then if you don't have anything, uh, when we have a moment of silent prayer, uh, you uh, think about giving. If you want to give, you gave. So it's a grace matter, you might say. Uh, and Second Corinthians 8 and Second Corinthians 9 cover extensively uh, New Testament giving. And we also have a doctrine of giving on the internet, westbankbiblechurch.com, under Pastor Merritt's study books. And one of these days we're going to cover giving, and when we do, we'll put it on the on the uh, podcast. We have 60 podcasts, by the way, up. And uh, we also have, of course, a, about 300 study books under the uh, at the internet or in the internet. internet. Alright, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, if you will. You think about giving, and it's during that time, whether you have anything to give or not, that you can give. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of giving. Now, I would ask a very special blessing upon both the gift and the giver. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to study the doctrine of suffering. And I think if there's any group uh, that uh, needed to know about suffering, it would be this group. Because uh, we start right up here and it seems to flow down and, and flow down to many of you and flow down to many families. But the point is we all uh, from time to time suffer. And we have too many evangelists who say, you know, nothing wrong with saying believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then they'll add things to it, you know, like, well, if you come to Jesus, uh, you'll get peace. And you'll get this, and you'll get that, and you'll be happy, etc. Such is not the case. It may very well happen. Uh, but the point is, I think more, well, especially in fact, when you study the scripture, you got to thinking about that. I guess it's because of the darn shingles that have been eating me alive, uh, got me to think about suffering. And I know Carol's suffering and many others, uh, suffering, but, uh, so I think about some of the characters in the Bible who are great men, who have done great things, 
but indeed they suffer. And of course, I thought about Abel. Uh, we'll start real early. <laughs> Abel, and he did a good thing, didn't he? He brought what God said for him to bring in the way of a sacrifice. And what happened? His brothers killed him. And then we had John the Baptist. Oh, he proclaimed, this is Jesus the Christ. He baptized him. God spoke to him first and said, now when you start baptizing a lot of people with water over there at the Jordan, uh, you're going to know when you get to Jesus. He said, well, how's that? He said, well, you're going to hear from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And in addition... The Holy Spirit's going to descend and you're going to see Him because He's going to be like as a dove. We don't know exactly what that looked like. but uh, uh, And then what happened to Him? He was beheaded. And uh, it was uh, a time of doubting for Him. Not that doubting had anything to do with that, but the point is, suffering is suffering. And then I thought about old Job. Job was a good man according to the Scripture. But he suffered. And he suffered. And he suffered. And finally, God, of course, healed him. But God gave him a lesson. And we learn why he was getting all that suffering. Because he was questioning God. And if there was ever a man that ought to be able to question God, it would be Job. But he told him in a series of verses, if you were there, when? And then God said, here are all the things that I did, you know. (laughs) Long list of things. Well, if you were there when I did that, then you can question me. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. He didn't say keep your mouth shut, but in essence he did. In other words, don't complain. And then, of course, he got everything back, you know, and he did get, indeed get blessed. But we don't know what happened after that even. And then there was Paul. Depending on how you count, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he has scriptures in there that talk about all of the things that have happened to him. He's been out there in the ocean about to drown. He's been whipped. And finally, the churches all turned against him. And everybody left when he went into prison. And then he got beheaded. And then there was the Apostle Peter, who was crucified upside down. And then there was Daniel. And we'll have a little more to say about Daniel. You know, Daniel was a guy who... I'm going to turn on the chart. Get it straight. That's the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And he was very, very successful. And uh, during the time of Daniel, Daniel, of course, uh, was a, a man about town, if you will. A man about court, if you will. And uh, he was captured and taken all the way to to Babylon. And that great, great empire of Nebuchadnezzar, 
that he was so proud of. And Daniel served him, but Daniel had some some hard times. I'm sure when they put him down there in the lion's den, even though when he went into the lion's den, nothing happened, except maybe he said, come here, kitty, kitty, kitty. But uh, in any case, uh, it was a trying experience, no doubt for him. And then Nebuchadnezzar himself, who uh, we'll see a little few scriptures about, I got it in the lesson plan, but he was so proud of that empire. And he walked around, you know, one day just observing all the things he had and thinking, my goodness, am I ever blessed. Not only that, as I am, I, I am very, very smart. I am the king of this giant empire. And that is something. And you remember he then had a a vision. Not only did he have a vision of a statue to show how smart he was. I'm going to put another chart. It's going to give indication of the golden statue. Because it foretold numerous things that are going to happen. It was quite something. I got this out of one of Colonel Thieves' books. He's with the Lord now and saying, Go for it, Jerry. Go for it. But uh, here we go. Get the fine head of gold, the breast of arms of silver, belly of thighs, leg of iron, feet of clay, and all these over here on the right show us the Empires that each stood for. The head, of course, stood for him. Then the Medes and the Persians took over. Then the Greco-Macedonians. Then the Roman Empire. Then the revived Roman Empire, which will happen one day later. And he was a man about, you might say, the man about town. In other words, he was a, he was a real, as we'd say in Waco, tush hog. In other words, he was something. And uh, then he had a vision. He had several visions, but you just seen one vision where he looked at the giant statue. But he's going to see a tree. And of course, Daniel is called in to interpret. And he's told that, first of all, the first vision, you're the head of gold, and I mentioned that. But then he says of the tree. He said, here's what's going to happen. And it came to pass. You are going to go out into the field and you're going to lose your kingdom and you're going to eat grass like a cow or a steer or a bull. And in addition to that, your hair is going to grow long, your fingernails are going to grow long and uh, the rain's going to fall on you, the dew's going to fall on you and you're going to be out there for seven years without a kingdom suffering. But you know, he did get one of those trees, by the way. Daniel said, that tree is going to be cut down. But one of the things they've got to do is they've got to band it because you're going to, that tree's going to grow up again. Put a band around it so it will grow, have growth because your kingdom's going to come back to you. But after seven years, And it did. And of course, as we'll see in the scripture, maybe if we get there, maybe we won't. But, uh, 
We're all going to suffer. Each and every one of us will suffer. And of course, I had the doctrine of faith rest, and I got to thinking about that as I I heard it on the uh, podcast. And I didn't make clear, you know, I kind of indicated, well, all you got to do, you know, is take in the Word of God and grow in God's grace. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be wonderful. And yet we have all these Bible characters, Peter, Daniel, Ezekiel. What happened to Ezekiel? He got carried off into Babylon. 597. Then we had Isaiah. Then we had Jeremiah. Jeremiah got a message from God and God said, spread this message. He spread this message and everybody says, you're crazy, you're nuts, I'm going to put you in prison. And the prison in that particular time period, they put him down in a deep hole which was full of water, and about just before he drowned, someone threw a rope down and pulled him out. So in time, and as we look at the Scriptures, we come to the ultimate suffering, which was the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And He left perfection, and the Scripture makes that clear. He left perfection... And did what God would have to be done. God said, here's the plan. And he said, for the very first time, I'm going to get under your authority, Father. And I'm going to do what I'm told. I'm going to accept what you tell me to do. Which is to go to planet earth, become a man. And ultimately go to the cross. And suffer on that cross like you wouldn't believe. Suffering on the way to the cross. Suffering during his life as he was not accepted by those who were supposed to accept him. So suffering is something that happens. And sometimes it can be very difficult as we envision it. How about old Hosea? Hosea was told, we're going to have to have you and your wife as an example of how I feel because of Israel. And of course, we could put our name in there instead of Israel, how we do from time to time. And this is why we make God feel. He said, I want you to take a wife. Her name was Gomer. And uh, no connection to Gomer Pyle, but uh, Gomer, and uh, you marry her. And she's going to run off from you, and she's going to become a prostitute. And uh, you are to go get her, and bring her back, and have children with her, even though she is Gomer. And finally, you know, you're going to find she's going to become so ugly looking from being a prostitute. And you see pictures of them on TV, walking the streets and filthy and, you know, practicing their trade. When she gets that way and she has to sell herself into slavery because of the need to have something to eat and a place to sleep. 
What are you to do? Hosea, you go down to the marketplace. And when she comes up, you buy her back. Just an example of how I feel about you, Israel. And I say we could put our name in there from time to time as to how we make God feel when we don't act as we should, when we don't think as we should. So with that little bit of background, we can also, and I think about a song that Joshua sang so well up here about uh, that word, have I hid in my heart, etc., 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 which is a wonderful song, but the song is about, it's actually a quote from Psalm 119, and what is happening, and what is being described in Psalm 119 is a description of Israel on the way to Babylon. And they were being abused, abused horribly. Many of them, if not Daniel himself, as the scripture almost says, but not literally, they were made eunuchs. And they were taken over there, but they proclaim in that Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart. So when we think about the doctrine of suffering, I'm kind of giving you an introduction. Uh, we need to understand that when you hear some preacher or some evangelist say walk the aisle, or which in itself is wrong, or uh, you know jump through some other psychological hoop, or uh, promise God you're not going to do something, uh, and you'll get this or you'll get that, so it's all going to be rosy. And that's what many, many preachers are doing this morning. Three points in a poem and a big choir. And oh, the crowds that they can attract. As opposed to hard-nosed Bible teaching, which is, I hope, you get today. Certainly my intent to do just that. Because all of us from time to time are going to suffer. And uh, some of us a great deal, some of us just a little bit. But it's always God who determines a lot or a little. And He'll never give us anything that we can't stand. Though we may think from time to time, I can't stand this anymore. Oh, yes, you can. See, oh, yes, you can. All right, let's go to our lesson plan. So much for a little introduction there. Suffering is physical or mental pain. Suffering might manifest itself in a loss of health, wealth, friends, family, or guilt reaction, psychosis, etc. Suffering is temporary or permanent loss of happiness or mental tranquility. So that's a broad definition of suffering. Now there are two general reasons for suffering. First, to get an unbeliever to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Second, 
to get a believer to move to the next level of spiritual maturity. And I question that use of level there because I don't think there are any levels necessary. It's just to describe we do grow and uh, we eventually get to uh, some ultimate spiritual maturity when we die or the rapture occurs, whichever occurs first. But we're to move forward. We're to move forward. How do you do that? Take in the Word of God. Take in the Word of God. Take in the Word of God. And how do you get the Word of God? The way God planned it, which was to have a right pastor teacher for every human being who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you seek out your pastor teacher and you uh, come in and you take in the Word of God and you metabolize doctrine. And I meta- uh, excuse me, I explained metabolization process last week. Now, number three, both the unbeliever and the believer suffer in time, but only the unbeliever suffers in eternity. In other words, you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will never, never, never suffer in eternity. And it is beyond our expectations, anticipations, imaginations as to what heaven's going to be like. And that's why God doesn't describe it because He can't, because we can't understand the marvel of it all. The marvel of it all. So we need from time to time not to believe what the evangelist says uh, or implies with reference to faith alone in Christ alone. Certainly, being a child of God is far better than being a child of Satan. Because Satan can only do what God specifically authorized, and God only authorized specifically what we need. Because he, again, knows everything. He's omniscient. Knows everything. I remember years ago, Tommy and I both worked uh, in Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, we used to talk about the four spiritual laws. And I got to thinking this morning, I was sitting in there before Ken shows up. And today, Carol, thank goodness. Carol, so good to have you back. And uh, I was uh, wondering, I thought I'd go to my smartphone and see if they'd ever heard of the four spiritual laws. So I put it in, and of course, they had. Said the Campus Crusade for Christ, under the leadership of Bill Bright, had uh, developed a little book that called Four Spiritual Laws. And we used to take those and keep them in our pocket and and, uh, go and ask people, you know, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? And uh, and I, I want to just briefly read you what it said there in my tele- on my telephone. Uh, law one: God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I thought, uh, I kind of wonder whether we should have told them about the last part. It has a wonderful plan for your life. It is true. It's but it's His plan. He has a plan. But when I think about all the young people, because that's what Campus Crusade for Christ basically was, it was a young person's organization. And we were just leaders in that organization. Uh, But uh, young people may misunderstand that because 
they think, oh boy, I'm going to find my right woman and she's going to be a dandy. I'm going to find my right man and he's going to be a dandy. You know, and uh, I'm going to get this good job. I'm going to get this good education and I'm never going to lose it and blah, 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 blah. Maybe. But we know that it's going to be perfect because God is perfect. And God will provide the perfect plan for us. But don't be surprised, brethren, if it has a little suffering. Alright, that's the first law. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, humanity is tainted by sin and therefore supernatural, excuse me, separated from God because of the taint. And then third, Jesus is the only answer for sure. And four of the fourth of the four spiritual laws, we must place our faith in Christ, the only answer for sin. So those are four wonderful spiritual laws and they're providing uh, an excellent method of communicating uh, for those of us who are not quite able to communicate, you know, which all of us are from time to time. And of course, that's what we call our invitation. Four spiritual laws make for an excellent invitation. God does have a wonderful plan for our life. It's to become a member of God's forever family and uh, to uh, when we die or the rapture occurs, whichever occurs first, we're going to go to heaven and then we, of course, uh, because of our faith alone in Christ alone, we're going to come back with the Lord uh, after the rapture of the church. We're going to Hopefully, meet him in the air. We hope. I hope we're the, of course, the rapture generation. But none of us know. We don't know when the rapture is going to occur because God specifically told us that we will not know, and there are no signs left, so we can forget the signs. People have been talking about signs forever. Back when we were with, I don't mean with Campus Crusade for Christ. We didn't work for them, but we did. Of course, we're leaders in the group. Uh, there were all sorts of folks who were running around, and even within the organization itself, you know, that uh, I can't remember which one was the Antichrist, whether it was Hitler or Mussolini, and which one was the was the false prophet. But they came up with all sorts of ideas, and then when Jack Kennedy got the head wound. And uh, he went, and his wife went off out into uh, the Mediterranean Sea and hooked up with uh, uh, Onassis, uh, the Greek uh, sea guy, whatever you call those people who own ocean liners and so forth. Uh, their words were out that that's you know we're in the tribulation, and of course they'd look around, but. Uh, we have studied eschatology and we will always continue to study eschatology and uh, all we need to know is that one of these days no signs left the Lord himself will descend from the heavens with the shout with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord you know and that's when we'll meet those who had preceded us in death Christ will bring with him. 
and they will get their spiritual body, their resurrection bodies, their uh, first. In other words, they're, I always think my brother's going to get his first. Lord, I don't like that. I won't. He always got first because, you know, he was the firstborn and mama liked him a lot better than me, you know, that kind of thing. No, but uh, I'll be glad to see him in the air. You know, when the Lord himself descends from the heavens with a shout, and we don't know when that's going to be, but it's going to be a glorious place. Now, why can we count on that? Because of the marvelous gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for each and every one of us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that can be done right where you are, whatever you might be doing, simply telling God the Father and believing on God the Son. Alright, now let's go on with our lesson. Judgment for discipline in the case of the believer can be changed to judgment for blessing by simply following the excuse me, protocol plan of God. But the pain does not necessarily go away. It says, you know, we can name it back to God. We know we've got sin and the Holy Spirit shows us the sin and we cite it back to God. Uh, and now it's uh, been converted. But it doesn't mean that the pain will necessarily go away. That's not what the Scripture says. So anyway, point one point two, the believer needs only to name his or her sin back to God and discipline for suffering is turned into discipline for blessing. Carolyn was telling me a very interesting story about her mom. I hope she doesn't mind me. I know her mama won't, but uh, uh, she was talking to her mother. And her mother asked her, said, uh, who's going to be in heaven? And she, Carolyn started naming people, you know. And she said, uh, but I'm not going to be there. And Carolyn said, oh, yes, you will. Because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, yeah, but I've said bad things. And uh, Carolyn said, well, Christ took care of all the sin on the cross. Uh, so you'll be there. And of course, uh, she can... I don't know when the rapture is going to occur. I'm going to, I think we should all assume it's going to occur any minute. And then we can see her, of course, going up there, meeting Bill in the air, and, and, uh, then they'll be again together. But the point is, faith alone in Christ alone gets us salvation. It doesn't keep us from suffering. And by the way, we have this doctrine on the internet, not on the internet. Yeah, it's on the internet. It's not on the podcast. It will be on the podcast after today when Davey gets around to it. And he usually gets around to it in one day. Very faithful. Uh, but we do have it, uh, under Pastor Merritt's study books. Alright, let's go on. Notice 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. It says, if, but if we judged ourselves, and that's when you name your sin back to God. We would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So there is a judgment, and that, of course, is God showing us 
that that was a sin. That's the judgment is talking about that. And we judge ourselves by citing the sin back to God. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we should do. Just simply cite it. It doesn't say you have to feel sorry for it. That went around for a while. In fact, we had a lady in this church that said, many, many, many years ago, you ought to be touching. I'm talking, he was talking to Bob Keck at that time and myself who was teaching the same thing Bob Keck was teaching. Uh, but uh, you ought not be teaching that all you have to do is name it back to God and not feel sorry for it. And you know the reason that she gave? Because if we, if you do that, the young people will sin. Like old people don't sin. <laughs> Old people sin, young people sin, middle-aged people sin. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what do we do about it? We cite it to God. Yes, that's one, that's one Christ took care of on the cross. There's a cross behind me. And uh, just think about that. It's one that Christ took care of on the cross. We just homologeo. The, the, the verb in the Greek is homologeo. And it means to cite or to name. And it's translated, of course, confess. So we cited or name it when God the Holy Spirit shows it to us. And that's his job. He's very faith- He is very faithful to do just that. So when we know that, we name it back to God. And of course, Carolyn told me that she made it very clear. That's all you have to do, Mama, is to cite it or name it. And uh, that's certainly true. All right, let's go now to First John 1, 8 and 1, 9. We're going to read it even though I've quoted it. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive our... I didn't quote that one, did I? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Then if you go to First John 1, 10, underneath First John 1, 9... That's that sandwich I talked about last week. I told you, remember, the top piece of bread is eight, The bottom piece of bread is one ten, And in the middle is the meat. And I remember I used the term bologna, meat, pimento loaf. <laughs> and that's what we have at our house. But in other things like that, you know, where you uh, have that inside, that's first John one nine. So one eight, one ten. I didn't put 110 down here, but it says if you say you've not sinned, you make God a liar. So 1A says if we say that you've not sinned, you, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what is the answer? It's the meat in between. And of course that is if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Alright, let's go to point two. Believers can receive suffering for either discipline or suffering for blessing. We often refer to the former as deserved suffering and the latter as undeserved suffering. Although certainly from God's divine viewpoint, both are deserved. So we've either done something that we shouldn't have done and the Holy Spirit has shown it to us and our job is to name it back to Him and uh, or it's suffering for blessing. Two different ways. Maybe for discipline to get us to move to another level. Or maybe it's uh, to get a blessing. 
In other words, you can't have this blessing because you can't handle it. God will never give you anything you can't handle. Keep that in mind. He will never give us anything we can't handle. Alright, discipline type suffering is designed to get believers to either rebound or get hot for the Word. In other words, taking in the Word. I want you to take in the Word. Take in the Word. Or maybe to name a sin or give up a false concept. Maybe there's something you saw on the internet and you just fell in love with it. Or other some jerk walked down the street and told you something unqualified, never studied, never called by God to be a pastor, never called by God to be an evangelist. And you just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And God wants you to give that up because let's go to the Scripture. Let's see what the Scripture has to say. Let's see what your pastor teacher has to say. All right, now let's go. And here's old Hosea 8, 7, and 8. I gave you a little re, little review of that. It says, the sow, excuse me, the sow. <laughs> they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk hath no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like a worthless thing. And in fact, in Isaiah 28, it tells us, I believe it's verse 8, or, or verse, I have to look it up again, but uh, tells us that I've fed you doctrine, I've fed you doctrine, I've fed you doctrine, I've t- given you scripture line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And yet you've rejected me. You've rejected me. Alright. Now let's move on. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Or Matthew five forty five, That ye may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So as a general rule. When we follow the Word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we will be blessed as a general rule. And when we don't, we will be disciplined as a general rule. But only when it is needed. And that's the important thing to understand. God knows our frame. God knows everything that happened to you when you were a baby. God knows everything that happened to you when you were a uh, a twelfth grader, a sixth grader, a fifth grader, a fourth grader, a third grader, a college student, etc. And what you needed, and everybody that you talked to, and what they said to you, he knows all about that. And therefore, he can provide for us perfectly. All right, let's look at ten reasons a believer suffers. This little synopsis. I thought that would be good to put in here. First of all, to glorify God in the angelic conflict. Book of Job. If you don't know what the angelic conflict is, then uh, you need to go to the Pastor Merritt study books under the doctrine of the angelic conflict. That used to be a requirement before you could get into Dallas Theological Seminary before they became what I call a... a, a, I I shouldn't say 
what I'll call it. But uh, they're not nearly as good a seminar as they used to be when Dr. Chafer was in charge. And then after that, of course, Dr. Uh, Walter. Uh, what was his name? One that was there 50 years. I ought to remember that, shouldn't I? But I do remember when I, I at one time when I first got called, Ken will remember that, and Carol remember that, and I was ordained right here on the, on the 18th of October, 1978. I kneeled right there, and this church put their hands on me when I had hair. And uh, uh, I was then made, uh, I was ordained. So I thought, well, one of the first things i got to do is i got to go to seminary. So I, I, I filled out an application, and on the application it says, Do you believe in the angelic conflict? And, of course, I'd been at Baptist church forever, and we didn't have any idea what angelic conflict was. My first reaction was, huh? You know, angelic conflict? So read it. Find it. That's why you're here. Did you know you're here because of the angelic conflict? Did you know that you are demonstrating to Satan right now that you're doing what he didn't do? See, he fell. And he was with God. He saw the, he saw God. He knew God. He knew about the angels. And yet he decided, I'm going to fall and go to planet earth. And he did, and that's in between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. And it, and we're studying that, by the way, in, in our doctrine of uh, evolution without God, which we're doing on Wednesday night. Uh, but uh, he couldn't handle it. And you're handling it. You are here today when you could be somewhere else doing something else far more pleasurable than sitting here listening to me. But you're demonstrating in the angelic conflict just as Christ was the ultimate demonstrator to Satan, you're the demonstrator to one or more, I don't know, fallen angels, that you're on positive signals and they went on negative signals because a third of the angels followed Satan. And they came to planet Earth and they said, we're going down with Satan. Satan said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make planet Earth great. And the demon says, and I'll indwell the president. I'll indwell the, indwell the presidents. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we'll, we'll get involved in that. But the point is, we are in the angelic conflict, and we're demonstrating. And when you walk out the door, and something happens, and you apply Bible doctrine, somebody pulls in front of you, you know, and sit a hollering out and doing other things, you have a relaxed mental attitude, you know, and you're happy, and you're full of joy, and. uh you're not mad. Not that uh, I do that, by the way. Not that I do that. My wife will tell you he didn't do that. You know, you should see him when somebody pulls in front of him like that. You know, actually, I did pretty good yesterday, didn't I, baby? Thank you. But uh, the point being, uh, sometimes we fail, don't we? Sometimes we fail, and when we do, then we're demonstrating to the particular demon that day and he laughs and laughs and laughs and laughs and he knows your frame you ever read screw tape letters by c.s lewis 
if you hadn't read his book, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, you need to. And you, it's it's a, not a Bible lesson, but it's uh, tells you a lot about what's going on with reference to the demons and the devil. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of Bible doctrine in there, I'll tell you, though it's not designed to be a, a book of, of Bible doctrine. It tells you that those guys know what they're doing, and they're communicating together. I know what'll make old LG Merritt man. Da, 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 da. I know what the big kid it man. Da, 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 da. And if it takes uh, cards, you know, to get them on the road, I'll make cards evil. Or uh, if it's, uh, you know, marriage, and uh, I'll make marriage a big deal with them. And on and on and on. And then they get, get, finally when they have a really tough question, they go up and ask the boss, you know, ask the boss of the family, Satan himself. But excellent book. Excellent book. All right, I'm looking at the clock back there. And I didn't get very far. But that happens sometimes. And I hope I got far enough. And I will be evaluated by the... So you won't get this kind of evaluation from the Lord. But I will. Because the scripture says that, you know. You are to teach the word of God. And I can, you know... And there's plenty of ways to teach the word of God that... uh, Well, I won't get into all that. I was going to say they can make you very, quote, successful close quote, and unsuccessful. But just remember what the colonel used to say all the time. Three points in a poem in a big choir. But you ain't going to get that here. All right, you're going to get the hard-nosed Bible study that God would have to be done. So with that said, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to offer an invitation. And I'd like for you to pray that it would have full effect. Be powerful. Because of the scripture and the words of the Apostle Paul says that very thing. He asked his various congregants and the various churches that he had established to pray that he would get a successful word out. And that's what I'm saying you ought to do. You ought to pray that here goes the word of God. 60 lessons on the podcast. Umpty ump. On the uh, website. Oh my. Who's listening out there? Make it effective. And it will be effective. Not my words particularly. Because I'm not going to be able to convince anybody of anything. But I tell you what. I know what will. And that is the word of God. And the word of God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So right where you sit, whatever you might be doing, right where you stand, whatever you might be doing, right where you are, inside a car, outside a car, I don't know. But, 
You can simply tell God the Father, I'm believing on God the Son, and on the promise of the Word, you will be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon Him. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. As many as received Him, says the Scripture, to them gave He power to become sons of God. I want to pause for a moment and give you an opportunity to do just that. Believe And then I'm going to close by asking God's blessing upon the teaching of the Word this day. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and worship together. Now, I would ask that... uh, God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real, in order that we might grow in your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.